0: So the scripture today is in 2 Timothy. So this is fond to my heart because it's as if it's being written to me. And Rod, my friend, is preaching this morning. Rod and I go back a few years, um, I'm guessing, but it was before I was married. Because I remember he was coaching Kathy on uh, what to stay away from in me. <laughs> and so we're in uh, 2 Timothy 3, beginning with verse 10. And, and there's a number for your uh, scripture in your pew Bible if you, if you need that. And this is entitled in my Bible, The Final Charge to Timothy. So although I'm going to sneak out for a few minutes to visit the Sunday school classes, I'll sneak back to get that final charge from Rod. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Rod, why don't you come up here? And Let me pray for you as you preach, and you get to—you just lost your wire.
1: I lost it all. And it's okay. All right, let me just put something down
0: here. You know, there's a desk up here you could use, if you want. Yeah. where do you want to be? I would like to be right there. Okay, great. You want it? To out of my pocket. And then put some more back in. So you're lightening the load so you can bring it, really bring it to us this morning, right? You betcha. Okay. He, he's got it. He's going to hook you up as soon yeah. as I pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you for Rod and his willingness to come and minister good news to us today. Thank you for friends that he has brought with us that are my friends and our friends as well. So, Lord, I pray for the in-between that when Rod speaks a word that your Holy Spirit has inspired, that it would we would receive it not only into our ears and into our mind, but into our hearts. And you would do that uh, while we sit and uh, stand together uh, today. Blessings to Rod uh, in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This is Andres. He will hook you up.
1: Probably fly easier. welcome, Ross. Right. How are you all? On the scale of one to ten. Ten being great, one being zero. I like in concert. Now some will do it very quietly. Because if you're a four, you don't want to let everybody know. If you're a nine, you'll probably give it pretty loud and clear. So at the count of three, one, two, three. Beautiful. I got a couple things about humor. I just got this yesterday or this morning from a person in Chicago. And this is, and he titles it and he says, Humor that is holy. And there are three things that I would like to read. A father was approached by his small son who told him proudly, I know what the Bible means. His father smiled and replied, what do you mean? You know what the Bible means. The son replied, I do now. Okay, said the father. What does the Bible mean? That's easy, daddy. The young boy replied excitedly, it stands for B- Basic, I information, B before, L leaving, E Earth, basic information before leaving Earth. <laughs> Not bad, is it? So if you if you're fixing to leave the Earth, you got to get some basic information. The minister was preoccupied with how he was going to ask the congregation to come up with more money than they were expecting for repairs to the church building. Therefore, he was annoyed to find out that the regular organist was sick and a substitute had been brought in at the last minute. The substitute wanted to know what to play. Here's a copy of the service, he said impatiently but you'll have to think of something to play after I make the announcement about the finances. During the service, the minister paused and said, Brothers and sisters, we are in great difficulty. The roof repairs cost twice as much than we expected. We need $4,000 more. Any of you who can pledge $100 or more, please stand up. At that moment, the substitute organist played the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> and that is how the substitute organ, organist became the regular organist. <laughs> All right. We won't do that here today. I got one more here that... A minister waited in line to have his car filled with gas just before a long weekend. The attendant worked quickly, but there were many cars ahead of him. Finally, the attendant motioned him toward the vacant pump. Reverend, said the young man, I'm so sorry about the delay. It seems as if everyone waits until the last minute to get ready for a long trip. The minister chuckled. I know what you mean. It's the same in my business. So there is the the humor that we got from our neighbor in Chicago. Now, I realize that Pastor Tim asked me to speak on 50 plus. But I look around and there are a lot of people that are not 50 plus. There are a couple of roles over here. (laughs) They're the exception. I know how old most of them are. They're all over 50, and they're from our ministry. The, the four in the second row are from the lamplighters class that I teach. The gills, she is a principal of a, or teacher of a preschool here at a church in Sunnyvale. The lady in, in, in uh, maroon, did I say that? Red, maroon. See, you get messed up with colors, but anyway, that's my wife. And then a couple over there on the left are the Noonans, and they work with us in our ministry. Larry and Sue are our lay leaders for our ministry. So that's the background. So realizing that you're not all old here today, I'm bringing my message into three sections. When do you, see, you you can really help me at this point. Uh, How long does Tim generally preach? Too long. Too long. Too long. See, this is exactly what I expected. How long would you like him to preach? I
0: got till noon.
1: Twenty minutes? Oh. Twenty-five? Oh, that's dangerous. As long as you want is over there. Do you generally get out at eleven thirty? No, we usually get out at noon. You get out at noon? You know, let's get out a little early today, okay? okay. Are you are you for that? The lamplighters say that's a dangerous thing from Taze because he said, we'll get out early and then we get out 10 minutes later. But let's say we have as a goal 10 minutes to 12. And I'll be through at 25 till. Does Tim need about 15 minutes for the end? Okay, just so that we don't, I don't want you to be nervous, you know. <laughs> so... I'm going to talk three things. I'm going to say something old people are not. And see, some of you young'uns have some preconceived ideas of what older people are like. I'm going to tell you what we are not. Secondly, I'd like to get in the Word, and since you came here today for a worship service, we're going to spend uh, some time in the Word. And then we're going to talk at the last part of the sermon something about our ministry, and Larry is going to come and share how we got it started. And so if anybody here would like to start a ministry, Larry will help you at that point. So what are we not? Older people are not miserable. (laughs) It's very interesting. People think when you get old that you'll be crotchy, Complaining, doing those things, and any of you do those things, stop it today. Okay, (laughs) don't do that anymore. But the point is, people—we at our age—and we have become attuned to sweetness. You say, "Boy, that isn't true." Sweetness in life, rather than bitterness, emptiness with children living somewhere else, isn't all bad. Now, some of us, I'm, I'm, I'm l- more later in life than early in life. <clears throat> At my age, we've been an empty nest, oh, 35 years, empty nest. It's great. Now, the first couple years, parents, it's kind of an adjustment. You say, oh, my kids are leaving. You cry. and You do all those things. 20 years later you said how sweet it is. <laughs> the grandchildren come and you send them home and you do all of that. Don't believe people when they say that to become old that you are miserable. I love being the way I am. See I asked her to do that at that point. <laughs> Secondly, your DNA is not your destiny. And a lot of people say, oh, my mother had cancer. My dad had a heart problem, and therefore my DNA is predetermined. Not true. Not true at all. Harvard study determined that a large measure of our lives we control. And there are about seven things. Don't smoke, don't drink, or don't abuse alcohol. Exercise, control your weight. Now, here's a big one. Happy marriage. Now not all people here may be married, but but that is for those of us in this room who are married. If you have a happy marriage, you probably will have a, a longer life than the normal. And you say, Wow, if that's true, I'm gonna make some changes. And and you can make your marriage better. <clears throat> Education. And coping with problems. I don't like to live in my problems. I've got problems, but I don't want to live there. Thirdly, if you work real hard, then you'll retire real hard. You'll have retirement will be absolutely awesome. That's not true. Enjoy your work. Work longer. And work to be fulfilled. It's an amazing thing in our generation. I'm. I grew up in the '30s, and and <clears throat> people in in our community weren't. They didn't like their jobs. And going to talk about this a little bit later. Some of some of you when you were 13, 14, 15, 20, you had fantasized something that you'd really like to do in life. And then you found out, like, for example, you want to be an artist. And you found out George is an artist over there. And you found out an artist, it's really tough to make a living. So what did George do? <clears throat> George is a gentleman at the aisle over there. What did he do? He became a schoolteacher. And I don't know, how many years do you teach, George? 38 38 years, teacher. But you know something? He has gone back to his passion. He now is doing art. We were at his home on Wednesday evening and we saw the art around the house. Men and women, some of us had to do jobs in life. That wasn't really what we had hoped to do. So, don't ever forget your passion when you were a youth because that's the part of significance we're going to talk about. Older people drain resources. We may be on Social Security, we may a lot of things, but let me tell you, my generation is probably the wealthiest generation in the United States. Sure, there are people on welfare in our age. Sure, that's true. But by and large, My generation is is still probably one of the wealthiest, enjoying life financially. They, They travel, they do a lot of things. And number five, we alone are aging. The only ones that are getting old is our group over here. Not true. You're getting older every day. Is that sad or is that good? That's sad. Everyone here. So you've got company. We've got company. Aging is not just us alone. It's everybody. So you almost have to say, get over it. Enjoy getting older. So those are five myths. Now, what does the Bible say for us? Not turning your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3. Let me say, if you want to travel your life from success to significance, the Bible is the pivotal thing. Now, what do I mean from success? You young families, you're working awfully hard to be successful parents for your children. You want your children to grow up and be just tremendous citizens Good education, you feed them the right things so they'll be healthy. On the job, and you want to earn enough money so that you have enough to take care of your families. Absolutely, we want to do that. We want to have the best marriage we can possibly have, we want to be a successful marriage. In business, I want to be able to be a great boss. And I will work so hard to be the very best that I can be. I want to be the best neighbor. I want the neighbors to feel that we are great and wonderful people. Those are all elements of being successful. But not necessarily does all of that mean that you are significant? And when you become significant, is you make a transition from thinking about how I can improve and be the best I can be, now is how much can I give to you as a person? And significance is that when I walk down the the hall of this church and the kids, they say hi to me, Now you've been a significance to someone in the small children's level, the youth level. I'm part of Rotary Club. And I'm one of the oldest guys in our Rotary. And I am amazed that how I go into that Rotary Club with one purpose, and that I might go and share my life and Jesus, who he is. There are now 12 people from our club coming to our church. I never say to them, come to PCC. I would like to go and model a Christian lifestyle and give it to them in modeling that they will see that Jesus Christ is a worthy person to follow. Okay, follow along. Tenth verse. You, however, know all about my teaching... My way of life. You see, when you concentrate on the word of God, you find out how to live. My purpose, faith, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, all of those things. And then he says in verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it all the little children that were here this morning. The key is parents, your job is to teach them God's word. The church, your job is to teach them God's word. The youth of the church need to teach, learn God's word. Young married, starting their families, need to know God's word Those of you that are getting close to 50, you need to know God's Word. And those of us that are over 80, we need to learn God's Word. What he's saying is, from infancy right to when you're the oldest person, lifelong learning brings significance. Some of you will need to go to college after you're 50. Because you want to really develop the passion that you had when you were a youth. Nehemiah 8 talks about some very significant things. And this is what he says in Nehemiah 8. In 8.2, he says, in the seventh month, Ezra came and he taught the word to the people. In verse 5, he says, Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And he opened it and the people all stood up. Verse 8, they read from the book of the law, making it clear, giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. And then Nehemiah said, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of God. What does Nehemiah say? The word of God. Stand up. We're going to read the Word of God. They stood for six hours listening to the Word of God. And when they came down, they got the meaning to the Word of God. Don't just have children listening to the Word of God. They need to know the meaning. And let me tell you right now, we in our group over here, we model the Word of God to the level that we have learned it. And so do you. And my message here for us today is that we would be continual learners from the very young age to our age. Don't miss the opportunity. And then the one other thing he says here in the scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And what I would like to insert there, so that the man of God will know how to transition from success to significance. Those boys and girls will find significance in Jesus Christ by the way they learn and by you, the way you model Jesus to them. Are you impressed with your Jesus that's living within you? Is he a good deal? Is it a good deal to be a Christian? If it is, then we need to show it. The ultimate goal is to be equipped and to be able to live redemptively and joyfully and live with significance. There's a kid in my high school department when I was a youth pastor. He's a senior in high school. And he came to me one day and he said, I'm going to quit going to Sunday school. I said, really? Why? I know everything I need to know about the Bible. I said, you've got to be kidding. Yep. I'm done with Sunday school. I'm done with all of that. I know all that I need to know for my life. I don't know where he is today. But I'll guarantee you, if he stopped learning the Word of God at eight, 18, his, his whole faith-based life is on an 18-year-old and his knowledge of the Word of God. My point to you today is: somehow, some way, let God breathe on you. All scripture is God breathed. So he breathed into people to write the scriptures. And I'm saying to you today, let God's word be a breath on you. A breath of fresh air. A breath that will make a difference in your lives. Meaningful life is a significant life. Success can be a very empty trail. Well, we began our ministry, six years ago at PCC. And we have a database of about 450 people that are 50 years and older. Our congregation is about 1,200 and 450 people, so so we have about 40% of our congregation. And Tim, that's probably the way your church would... Probably average. You look a little younger to me than that, but, but anyway, that. But that's kind of the base. We have three basic generations in our church. We have the GI generation. It was very interesting that in our Lamplighters class, the people didn't know what it meant to, to be a GI. We had a nurse in in the class, and that that meant something in a in a hospital to do a GI series. But GI means government uh, in, yes. And it's those people born from 1906 to 1926. And those people are 84, 84 to 105. We have a lady that's 97. And that's the oldest one right now. A gentleman just died a year ago who is 103. So that's the older generation then the next one is the silent generation, and they were born from 27 to 43, and we're 68 to 83. I'm, I'm 80, so I'm just barely in this group. And the boomers were born 44 to 62, and they're 49 to 67. And most of these people in all of these three generations are vibrant, alive, healthy, And yet, in our class last year, 20 people from very close associates had gone to be with the Lord. So the the principle of dying is really there. Someone said, well, what are you going to do if you die this year? I'll die and go and be with heaven, and Jesus with heaven. Is Is there anything wrong with that? You see, I can celebrate that. I can celebrate being alive. It's very sad when we lose loved ones. My wife lost her sister in December and it's been very difficult for her. But I'll tell you, the key is that we are on a journey. I'm on a highway to bring significance to my life and it changes everything on how I live. Larry, come and share with these folks how we started our ministry, would you?
2: Oh, okay. Okay, sure. Testing, one, two. Good. Uh, my name is Larry Noonan. I fall in the category of being a boomer. I was born in 1948, which makes me 62 this year. And uh, the way our ministry uh, sort of started for my wife and I, a little background about myself I've been in churches for years. I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and uh, have just been involved in choirs and a number of different things. And Rod Taves approached me one day at church. And says, we're thinking of beginning a ministry for those over 50. And I, at the time, I think was 55 or so, 54, I don't know. And I says, well, what does that entail? So he went on and told me a little bit about it. And I had thought about it. My wife and I had been involved in ministry. I had been in the choir, and she had taught Sunday school for years. And I thought, well, this would be a ministry that we would be able to do together. And what often, times, what often happens in churches is you get into a ministry, and your wife goes to one area of the church, and you go to the other area, and, um, you, know, it, we were, you know, we'd come home together, we'd talk about our ministries, it'd be fun, but I thought this might be an opportunity for Sue and I to get involved in something that we could do together and be productive in that ministry, uh, you know, for the kingdom. So we agreed with Rod, and we decided, well, why don't we give this a shot, and we'll see what happens with PLUS, so we decided to do it. So we met at our home initially with uh, a number of people. We got some resources from the Covenant with Al Forsman, and a number of people would come and just share with us about a number of ways to begin a ministry like this. And uh, we started putting together a purpose statement, and we started to put together mission and vision and what do we want to accomplish. And we looked at the people in our church and the age groups, and we decided, well, you know, we're going to run with this. I think God is really going to open a door for us to really be productive in ministry through 50s Plus. So we came up with a great leadership team. We centered our ministry around four areas, uh, fellowship, service, spiritual growth, and then this fun, just plain fun, how we as as people just love doing things. We love to travel. We love to go out to lunches after church and the symphony, all the different things that we would do. We felt it would be imperative that people would our age group, wanted to just have fun as, as Christ followers, as people. So we made that one particular category, and we put together a leadership team, and we, we prayed. And let me just say at the outset, our ministry in the beginning was bathed in prayer, not only by our leadership team at church, our senior pastor, and all those involved, but we really wanted to do something significant, so prayer was, was pivotal in the beginning. We came up with a leadership team of people in, ch- in the church that were proven in ministry, those that had been involved in different areas and we, we approached them and we said, would you, would you pray about uh, getting involved in this ministry or we're, we're going you know we're just going to see where God takes it and let him have control of it And they agreed to do it. so we met at our home and we, we came up with a purpose statement and a mission statement and uh, centered our ministry around those particular areas, the four spiritual areas of fellowship service, spiritual growth and fun. and as Rod said it's been six years, Now, and uh, as he mentioned, 40% of our church is is over 50. We've pretty much been all over the world and the different places we've gone. We did a a journey recently to um, uh, Ephesus, and went up to Istanbul, which is old Constantinople, and Athens. We went to Mars Hill, where Paul preaches a wonderful sermon. And uh, we've just done a myriad of different things as a group, uh, up to Alaska and all over the place. So... um, Basically, our ministry centers around our four Sunday school classes, which are pretty much all people over 50. We have the Lamplighters class, the Encouragers class, the Zephyrs class, and then the class Sue and I are involved in, the uh, um, Sojourners class. And uh, in connecting with people, we're we're evangelical and wanted to go out and get people to come in. We, We give people choices. And uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but every 11 seconds in the United States, someone turns 50. Every 11 seconds that goes by, someone turns 50. And it's a mission field. Uh, we've been to Leadership Network in uh, Dallas where we, uh, we had just a wonderful time. We gathered with 12 other churches around the United States that were involved in 50s plus ministry. And what we can glean from them was so uh, pivotal in what we're doing as a ministry. And of course, we had some things to share with them too uh, we came up with these little little buttons and things that we did. I bring that up with me. Uh, little plus ministry buttons that we we would put together. We had a purpose statement, a card that we would give to people, would invite them to come to our ministry. Uh, you know, and just would welcome them with open arms in everything we did. We have something called the Spotlight, which is a, uh, a quarterly publication that's put together from someone on our leadership team. And what we do is we focus. On a person over 50 within our church, again, that's proven in ministry. And by the way, Phyllis was our first person right there to be uh, uh, our first one on a magazine that we had called Our Spotlight. And uh, it, it was just wonderful. So we've, we've had probably 30 or 40 people that now uh, are really part of, of our church significantly in being recognized by our 50s plus community within the church. So it isn't just us, Sue and I, getting together wanting to help Rod. It's kind of a group of people committed to something. And 50's Plus has just been a wonderful thing. I personally think, and I know I'm biased, I think it's the most successful ministry at Peninsula Covenant Church. Not because we had anything to do with it. It's just that God had his hand on it from the very beginning. And we wanted to see something happen for God. Rod said he's involved with... With um, Rotary in different areas, we have people in our church that are in Project Reed in Redwood City where 40% of our community is Hispanic. We have people coming on board teaching people how to read. Uh, There's a number of different ministries. We could go on and on. I can talk to you after the service here about it. But there's just so many different things that we have somewhat of an influence on within our church. And it's just been a joy uh, to get involved in the Lord's work where, where you really feel God has called you to a particular area. So uh, if there are any other questions, uh, any, any questions anyone might have about uh, the church, Rod and I or anybody here could, could uh, answer. Maybe we can do that afterwards. But I just want you to know we appreciate being here today and thank you for the opportunity.
1: I think I got four minutes left. He was talking about the the card. This This was our purpose statement that we came up with at the beginning. Plus ministry, we call it just plus, is a community of those over 50 in which God's purposes for their lives are fulfilled through fellowship, spiritual growth, service, and fun. And then there's a line that says, I invite you. You will notice that we all have a, uh, a badge. What, what is a sticker? We all have a sticker. We also have, have a, a button that is available. We have name tags. And uh, our Sunday school classes meet together. And incidentally, that is the connecting link for our ministry. If you want to be involved in PLUS at PCC, we bring you to a Sunday school class which is basically a connection the word of god and fellowship those are the two things we do there and we make that very very significant our leadership team was divided down and we having a new statement that we're working on and we're going to present to our leadership our vision statement here's the big picture vision statement pcc a pcc ministry that allows 50 plus people to discover an actively pursue. Excuse me, PCC that allows 50 plus people to discover an actively purpose, active purpose for their life. Mission statement is what we do. A community that provides 50 plus people the opportunity to know Christ and His Word. Grow meaningful in relationships and go disciple and serve other people. That's our ministry. I just finished sabbatical, three month sabbatical. Went all over the United States and Western Canada. <clears throat> and we went in Western Canada. My wife and I were on most of those. Well, I was on all of them, dot on most of them. But we came into Vancouver and we found that the church is predominantly in Vancouver had a ministry based on a a once-a-month luncheon and fellowship, with one exception. It was a Baptist church in Surrey, and they had a ministry to develop 50-plus people in purpose of life. And that became a tremendous model. And then we went down to Houston, and we found out that their ministries in Texas predominantly were built on the Sunday school And we have merged that. So basically our purpose, we're hoping will be that we will know God and know his word. Two, that we will fellowship with each other and have a close fellowship with God. And then we will go and serve our community. So that is the ministry of PCC. All built for one purpose. That is that we might help people go from success to significance. Laura Carsonson at Stanford University, she is involved in, in developing people in, in this second part of life. And she says, when you get to be about 50 and you need to pursue what you want to do, you will live another 50 years. So when the 50-year-old arrives, they can anticipate to live another 40 to 50 years. And if that's true, then you have 50 years to develop significance in your lives. And the first 50 years, my message to you is, be In the Word, so that when you get older, you will be so saturated with God, and God has breathed on you His life and His power, and you can go out and make a difference in the world. God's called us to do that. We have spotlights available for you in the back on the table when you leave the service. We also have some stuff that we've done in publicity that's also on the table. You interest what we do, we have these things to show. But God is leading us to develop a people, to develop a community that will be so bathed in the word of God that they would be naturally able to transition from success to significance. Not saying that you're not significant at a young age. That's not the point. But the purpose for living changes when you get older and significance needs to be the predominance. Father, thanks for this church, for Tim as he's leading it, and as they plan for their future, not knowing what that will all look like. But God, you've got a hand on this ministry, and we just pray that you will do great and mighty things through the people here. We thank you for each life, each child, each person. In this community, and there are a lot of people here in Los Altos that don't know Jesus, And what a privilege they have to make him known. Bless every part of this ministry. May Jesus be lifted up and glorified in whose name we pray. Amen.